Aloha, folks. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 170. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum, the world's largest rum producer and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades. Check out their webpage at TandawaiUSA.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at TandawaiUSA. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly T-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit TikiBarTshirtClub.com. On this installment of the COVID Chronicles, we chat with Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh hails from San Diego, California. And if you're an active member in the Tiki community and local to Southern California, you'll probably know him best as drummer for Jason Lee and the Riptides. In March of 2020, Josh and his immediate family were positively diagnosed as having been infected with the COVID-19 virus. On this special episode, Josh shares what this emotional and very personal experience was like for him and his family what his thoughts are about continued quarantining, isolation, and social distancing, and what happens now as a recovering COVID-19 survivor. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider helping us with your support during this challenging time. Stop by DesertOasisRoom.com to check out our merch or leave us a tip. We've got tiki mugs, t-shirts, and pendants available right now. Any purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Okay, join us inside the Desert Oasis Room as we chat with COVID-19 survivor Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh. Hey, how's it going? This is Adrian. How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me today. No problem. It's my pleasure. Let me start by saying that first and foremost, I'm I'm super happy you're healthy. Oh, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and super appreciative of you spending time with me and 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 talking to us on the podcast to share your experience with this COVID-19 virus. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's intense. Yeah, yeah. I I know that this was a very personal journey for you and your family. So if I ask a question that you feel is too intrusive, please just reply with a no comment or something and and I'll respect your privacy. Okay. Okay. So let's start with what you had put up on Facebook because not everybody that is listening to the podcast is connected with you on Facebook, I'm sure. So if you don't mind kind of recounting that story yeah. for our listeners. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I might be coughing occasionally, but I'll, That's okay. I'll try to That's okay. minimize it. Um, yeah. So let's, I'm trying to think of the timeline. March. March 18th, um, I woke up and I was really cold and, uh, I thought it was, you know, just because my wife, um, had opened the window during the night and, you know, it got down to probably like the low sixties, right. <laughs> San Diego <laughs> and I was right. freezing and I, I just couldn't get warm. And, um, and I, I didn't think too much about it. Then when I, you know, that was very, very early in the morning uh, before anybody should be awake. And then when I eventually got up, um, I, had, I had a fever and it wasn't super high. And that's the, kind of the weird thing about 
this virus that at least for myself and my family, um, the, the fever never got really high. Uh, it just stayed, um, for me, it never went above like 100.7. Um, oh, so it, it was like a st- low grade yeah, fever then low grade fever for a long time. And that's, I know it's different for everybody, but yeah. I've heard that that's kind of common also. Um, so I had a headache and, uh, I didn't, the weird thing was I didn't have like congestion or I didn't have, um, you know, the gastrointestinal things that you would normally sure. have with, with the flu. But my body ached, my, um, my skin hurt, which that I know that's probably sounds weird, but like putting on a shirt, um, I could, it was just uncomfortable. And, um, did it feel like a sunburn or something or it's not like anything I felt before, to be honest. Um, and, and it's funny because I was, I had mentioned that, you know, my skin hurt and somebody said, you know what? I have a friend who said the same thing when they had it. Um, yeah. And then I, um, just really tired, you know? And so I called, I have Kaiser and I called the doctor and we did a phone appointment and he said, uh, this is May 18th. So it's still pretty early as far as the testing and everything goes. He said, um, let me call center for disease control. Tell them your symptoms. I'll call you back in like 15 minutes. And so he actually called me back, um, in like 10 minutes. And so I was, pretty impressed and he said you know i'm sorry i just you know got to give you the news that there aren't enough tests yeah and and so i said you know um i'm a teacher and my wife's a teacher and i'm a musician and i had just been out doing some gigs um recently and sorry my daughter that's okay (laughs) crying in the background (laughs) that's okay Um, she's uh teething so um so he said you need to self-isolate stay in one room you know and and stay away from your family and i'm sorry but there just aren't any tests so i stayed in i stayed in the bedroom in the master bedroom and um because there were already you know germs all over it and my wife who's who's at that time about eight weeks pregnant mm-hmm. um so that was a congratulations you know, by the way thanks thanks <laughs> thanks man i saw um, that on your post you had said well this is not how we wanted to tell people but <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that that's a whole nother curveball in this thing um but I'll, I'll get to that but so she is out in the front of the house with mm-hmm. our daughter and and my wife gets, you know, really sick when she's pregnant. And so she's, um, throw, she's throws up quite a bit and I could just hear her in the other room, you know, from the bedroom and she would bring me meals and she would anything that I needed, you know, and I just felt like this crummy, yeah, <laughs> crummy guy cause yeah. she's out there taking care of the yeah. kid and she's throwing up. And then, um, so on the third day, uh, I woke up. I thought I was better. Um, I didn't have a fever. Took it. Took all the blankets, everything off the bed, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is it. I get, you know, can rejoin the family." It was just a cold or something, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like one that I had had before because the symptoms were different. And um, and then my as soon as I got out of the shower, I my fever came back. I just wasn't feeling good again. And mm-hmm. um, that's another thing that I've heard about this is that the fever can kind of come and go. Okay. And so then I had to put all the <laughs> new blankets and everything on the bed right. and got, got back by then we had pretty much decided that my germs were everywhere anyways. And, yeah. um, because you can carry it for like two weeks before you even show symptoms. My wife said, look, you know, we're if you had it, it's all over the house. We're probably yeah, going to get it. Yeah. So whatever you have, you know, we still, 
didn't think it was that because I think at that time there were only like 70 or 80 cases and yeah, the 18th was still early on. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it didn't seem very realistic, you know? And, um, so on the third day I, I went, I decided to kind of just rejoin and, and help. And she got sick on that day actually. So okay. she got, um, the, you know, similar symptoms to what I had, but then she was just completely exhausted because she's also pregnant and yeah. so she's deal, dealing with the nausea and, um, she doing the littlest things uh, was exhausting for her. And yeah. she doesn't, it's funny because I don't, I think I posted a picture of this, um, text that she sent me, uh, it was like the second or third day and I said, Hey, can you bring me something? And she's like, you're fine. Just come out here and <laughs> you're fine. You're, you, yeah. you know, you're not even sick. And right. she, she, she like grew up on a ranch, you know, her, her dad's a cowboy and, and you don't complain, you know, sure, yeah, yeah, for little things. And so when she was saying how bad she felt, I knew that this yeah, was a big yeah, deal. Yeah. And, um, and then my symptoms were getting worse. So, uh, I called, she, she was sick for about a week. Um, and I was sick at the same time. My symptoms were getting worse. By then I had lost my sense of smell. Um, yeah. most of my sense of taste, she lost her sense of smell, same, you know, same thing. And I, I don't know if that's, um, the symptom that really made them like think twice about offering a test because right around that time there was uh data coming out that loss of smell was right. um, one of the symptoms associated with it so i called the doctor back i spoke to a nurse and i said look i'm not getting better you know i have this cough now and uh, I, I was developing shortness of breath and it wasn't ever like um gasping for breath it was more like when you hurry up a flight of stairs you right. know yeah just or a couple winded. flights of stairs yeah yeah so i told her i had lost my sense of smell and i had these other new symptoms and and she's like okay you know I'll, I'll talk to the doctor and then they said come in get a test so i went and um i got a test and this this was about a week after the first time i talk to the doctor and mm. I went in and, and, uh, that test, there was only like one car in front of me in the line. You had to drive around some back way uh -huh. and go, go to these tents and stay in, they said, stay in your car, put the keys on the dashboard. Okay. <laughs> it was like pretty intense. And, um, and I just spit into a cup and then the frustrating thing was it took eight days to get the results. That must have been tortuous. It was crazy. Yeah. So by the time, I mean, because in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if, if this is what it is, my wife is pregnant. Yeah. My daughter, our daughter also got sick. Yeah. So her fever did get higher. Um, but I think that's more common, you know, with toddlers. So she was, sick for about two days and mm -hmm. uh the great news is that this doesn't seem to affect kids as oh that's hard that's awesome. as harshly yeah did you guys have the same level of intensity with the symptoms was 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 your wife experiencing something that was more intense or more mild i think her symptoms um were very similar to mine, but then add on the sickness from pregnancy. So, oh, okay. Like I didn't have throwing up or any of that stuff, but she had that because right. she was already doing it a lot anyways. It's like a double whammy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She got, she got hit pretty hard, but hers actually ended after a week and I was still sick. And, um, the shortness of breath was, was getting worse. The cough was getting worse. And the frustrating thing is when you cough, it's 
it's a dry cough. It's a dry cough. So, yeah. Yeah, you feel the fluid in your lungs and when you cough nothing comes up. And um you know, so I would be reading stories of people in the hospital. It's like they feel like they're drowning, you know, and Right. I was not even close to that, um, okay. but I I could see what they were talking about because there's nothing you can do. You're just hoping that your body is gonna fight it. <laughs> wow, it was scary, scary. Yeah. Feeling. So fortunately, our our 16 month old, um, you know, her symptoms were she was just exhausted and she she took like a five hour nap and then we went. I went in to get her and. Um, she was just laying in her crib and just moaning, you know, it was really sad. But then after a couple of days, she was better. And my wife started feeling better, but we still didn't know if we had it. And so they, right. they, um, I got my results back on eight, eight days later. And then, and then it's just like a, you're bombarded with, people calling, you know, doctors talking to you and sure. public health is calling and asking all kinds of questions. And, and, um, when we found out that I had it, they wanted, they said we should test Ashley. So they tested her. And by then they had developed a test where you could get the results in two days. Uh, uh so she found out, which is really strange because her symptoms were pretty much gone by this time. And we didn't, we didn't think that she would even test positive. Uh Um, but she tested positive. And so that kind of starts the whole cycle over again, as far as quarantining and isolation. Um, because they go based on, you know, when was the last person positive and you start, there, there are, are all of these criteria that you have to meet in order to be cleared, you know, to, to go out. And right. uh, I guess anybody could go out at any time, but in order to have the peace of mind that I'm not going to get somebody sick, you know. Right, right. So, um, so they called, public health called, they talked to me for like 40 minutes, and at that time – it was still difficult to have long conversations. I'd get winded. And, and, uh, so by the end of that day, you know, I had spoken to so many doctors and, mm. and public health for so long. I was just exhausted. And, uh, and they told me, um, on the very first day when I called about getting a test, the reason that, I wasn't allowed to get a test was because um, they were the only organization that was offering tests in the county at that time. And they were only like rationing 40 tests per day for the whole county. And they were only giving them to people who were in the hospital and like severe condition. So eight days after I took my test, my doctor's office called and she's, she's like, well, you're the first person (laughs) who's tested positive. And she says, do you need me to get a bed ready for you? You know, in the ER, are are you going to cut? No, (laughs) this is taking so long to get the results back. Now I'm actually starting to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, I mean, they were so sweet and, so kind and they work so hard and they're dealing with changing information and changing supplies daily. So they're doing the best they can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, When they were all calling you that day that you found out that you were positive with COVID-19, was that because they were trying to learn about it still? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, part of the reason I spoke to so many doctors was because we called the pediatrician, uh, Uh right away. And she's like, just assume that she had it and we don't test kids unless they're in the hospital, but you can assume she had it. And then we talked to my wife's doctor. And then I talked to a couple people from my doctor's office. And then I got an email from a different doctor and, Mm -hmm. and it was, 
a combination, I think, of I guess the novelty of it. Also, they they haven't there weren't many people who had they probably had encountered that had tested positive, so they wanted yeah. to find out um, how are you feeling? Uh, who you know? The the dumbest question I <laughs> that I think um, that my doctor asked me and public health is who do who do you think you got it from? And I said, I have no idea because right. we were by then, you know, we were quarantining already because yeah. everybody was the yeah. only places I had gone was to go get, try to find baby wipes because right. we were running low and I had, everybody was like stockpiling. So I had to keep going to all these stores just to find baby wipes. But other than that, you know, it wasn't like I was out and about sure. doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So, plus at um, that point, it'd been like, you know, it, it could have happened two weeks prior, right? I right. mean, because of the incubation period. So, I right. mean, who knows? <laughs> like, you could have been all over the place before that quarantine. Right. And that's what the pediatrician told me. She said, um, assume that there are thousands of people in San Diego walking around with it and they have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And the the numbers are so much higher than what we see in the news because of the fact that, you know, tests aren't just, it's not like, um, Hey, I want to test. Oh yeah, sure. Come on in get one. It's, you have to meet these certain criteria to get the test unless you're getting worse or, you know, the first thing they're going to probably tell you is just, just self-isolate, stay home. And so there's all these people, like I've talked to so many people that, um, since then they've said, Oh, I think I had it back in January or I think I had it, you know, a few weeks ago and, but they wouldn't give me a test. So, yeah, it's been yeah. a um a long process and but I have to say that the support from the community has been incredible and That's the support great. from the medical staff has been awesome. That's great. I've got a bunch of questions for you if you don't mind Go me asking. It. I had a friend who actually was hospitalized from this and he was on a respirator for I think 10 days. And, but he's somebody I went to high school with and I haven't spoken to him since graduation, which was over 30 years ago. So I I was just getting updates through our high school, you know, uh, that there's like a group page with our particular graduating class and they were posting updates on that and he recovered a hundred percent and, you know, they didn't say how he got her or anything like that. And so you hear all of these stories about people that have it severely and even maybe they were a hundred percent healthy and they passed away. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you had to have thought about that at some point in this experience. Like, did you have to face or deal with your own or your family's mortality? Is that something that crossed your mind? That's a good question. Um, I thought about that, you know, even as recently as like yesterday, uh, I never worried about any myself or anybody in my mm-hmm. family passing from it. And I think partly is because when I was sick, my wife was also sick and my daughter was sick and I was trying to take care of, of them because my wife was at that point like, in bed, not able to do anything. And I had already been sick for a while. So I said, it's my turn to kind of help. And, um, Mm -hmm. so I was focused on trying to help her and my daughter that I didn't have time to really, or energy really to think, what if this goes South? Um, I also think I didn't know enough, maybe enough about it. There's, all of this information now about blood clotting and um, perfectly, you know, seemingly healthy people who are dying because their blood clots from, from this disease. And 
there was just not a ton of information at the time. And it was kind of like, just put your head down and yeah. do what you need to do, yeah. do the next, next step. Yeah. Were you hospitalized at all? No, no. Okay, I that's wasn't. good. Um, fortunately, it could have been, man, it could have been so much worse. Uh, yeah. I, I was just curious because I'm wondering what's happening in the hospitals that the that the media is not telling us. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've been to a medical office or a hospital since all this started, but I have um, not. I I have a friend who's a nurse who's been working 12 to 14 hour days. And he said to me, you know, some days he says it's really bad. And he says Mm -hmm. the media doesn't know because they're not in the hospital all day. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I'm curious, uh, I'm reading reports that the curve is starting to flatten. And then I read reports that there's a spike in in infections, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I'm curious, like, what the real story is, you know? I think if I look daily at this um, site called Worldometers. I don't know what the address is, but um, just... W-O-R-L-D-O-M-E-T-E-R-S. And it gives very detailed numbers as far as um, newly documented cases, closed cases, Mm -hmm. death rate, which state has how many cases on which day. And um, so I try try to stay up on that. As far as you know, my experience with medical facilities, because I did, you know, as of even a week ago, I started, I was having chest pain over the weekend and shortness of breath. And that was, the chest pain was new for me. And it's also had been several weeks since yeah, I yeah. got, was sick. So I know that um, there's a period where you're no longer contagious and, and the virus is is gone, but you're still recovering your lung okay. capacity and whatnot. And um, so I, they sent me to Kaiser to get an X-ray. And when I walked up, everything is everybody's getting their temperature taken. You're wearing masks. Um, you're not just walking in and out of buildings like you used to. And I walked up and. Um, I said, they said, have you had any of these symptoms? And I said, yeah, actually, you know, to to be totally forthcoming, I had, you know, I was positive and I had it. Mm -hmm. So they had to go kind of figure out what to do with me. And and I stayed off to the side. I didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Sure. And and I, and I told the doctor, I don't want to go there and make anybody uncomfortable. And they said, but you need to, to have these this x-ray of your lungs done for yourself, for your own safety. So I went off to the side and, um, they actually x-rayed me outside. Uh, so I didn't even go in to the doctor's office. They, they brought out, yeah, they brought out a portable machine and they, they did it right there. And then when I, they gave me, um, an inhaler that has like a steroid in it uh, to help my lungs for a while. And when I filled the prescription um, and this wasn't just me, this was everybody, you had to go wait outside. And then there was a um, staff member who would come call your name and then you can go back in and get it. But my wife had a similar thing happen to her. She had to do some lab work um, to, you know, to, to do, genetic, uh, I don't know, testing or whatever to, to check the health of our uh, unborn child. And when she showed up, they said, have you had any of these symptoms? And she said, yes, I've actually, ha- I was positive. Um, it's been so many days since I had my fever and public health has cleared me. And and they said, okay, uh, let me go talk to my supervisor. So he goes and talks to his supervisor. She said it takes him like 15 minutes. Then he comes to her and he says, you've been flagged by CDC. And oh, wow. we're gonna ask, yeah, we're going to ask you to wait in your car in the parking structure. 
and we need to process the information that you've given us and we don't you're not allowed to come in until you you know we get permission from right. them that it's okay so she's like screw this and she went to the grocery store and came <laughs> home and went back the next day but um they finally did call her and say okay you're cleared now you're able to go in and have your lab work done yeah, so yeah. so yeah man it's a, it's a whole process and i think i read that the the baby is healthy, right? That there, there is no indication yeah. of any any kind of uh, contamination or infection with the baby, right? Yeah, so far, I mean, I don't know how they would, I don't know how they would test. The information that, that yeah. they have is coming from China, uh, and, and so you have to wonder, you know, what who the source is, how the study's being completed, but everything is so new that what they know as of now is that it's not being passed in utero. So that's awesome news. That's great news. That's great news. So as far as, you know, I mean, you guys are going through a lot. I mean, having been tested positive, I'm sure that you're being extra cautious, being responsible people about not, I mean, you said you're not contagious now, but at the time you didn't know, right? Right, Um, right. How do you feel about those that are blasé about isolating and wearing masks and stuff? And do you think that we as a public are overreacting by practicing the social distancing and the isolation and all that stuff? Um, I, I'll answer the second question first. I don't think it's overreacting. Okay. And the reason is um, because... If you or I get it, you know, or somebody in in our age range, um, there's a you know a pretty good chance that it it will will be in the super high percentage of people who uh, don't die from it. But the issue is our parents, you know, or oh, yeah. the grandparents, yeah, of and you know, I read this thing um, yesterday where um you know there are there there are so many patriotic people in this country and you know serve your country and that's awesome um but here's an opportunity to serve your country (laughs) oh yeah completely you know here's an opportunity you you don't even have to to go to war or join the military you can just sit on your couch and not get your neighbor sick or that, get yeah. your family member sick. And yeah. Wow, that's the first time I've been shown that perspective. You know, I, yeah, a friend of mine had um, had said something about that. And what what was your first question before that? I forgot. Uh, it, what are your thoughts about people who are being lax or blasé about oh, wearing masks yeah. or even isolating? Because there's people that are... I mean, like over the weekend, there was something like 40,000 people at the beach. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw that on the news. Um, I, because of the timeline of when I got sick, I had not been in public since they started the new um, social distancing measures at the grocery mm-hmm. store, you know, or Target or something where you have to stand in line on the tape or on the the foot markings six feet away from the person in front of behind you and and people didn't have the plexiglass around the cash register so when i was finally able to go and i was cleared to go back to the stores i was still wearing i still wear masks um because they don't know still even about the shedding process and they, they say that there's it's highly unlikely that you're contagious because you're not your viral load is is gone you know you don't have a right. fever and right but um but you still need to wear a mask so i'm in line you know uh, at the store and it's crazy how many people don't have masks on i and, know <laughs> like in front of me yeah. And, and I want to, say, or they have it on and it's like hanging from one ear, but it's not covering their face. Yeah. 
And I want to I want to say, look, man, there's a hundred percent chance you're standing in line with somebody who had this. Yeah, hundred percent chance, and you think that it's not around you, but it's it is. You know, um, it's their decision. It's their personal choice. I kind of just trying to keep my side of the street clean over here, but um, yeah. but I I just think that we've done this this isolation and quarantining for so long already that we should really do just go the extra step and I agree. do it the right way the first time. I agree. Know? Yeah, I'll see people that, like you said, a lot of times it's it's employees and my garbage disposal went out the other day and so I thought oh I gotta go get another garbage disposal and went over to Home Depot and geez there was I saw at least three or four employees that were supposed to be wearing masks but they had them tucked under their chin or they had them you know hanging off you know hanging around their a scarf maybe hanging around their neck and my first thought when I saw that is that it's selfish and irresponsible because mm. they are exposed to all of these people that are coming in out of their stores every day and they're young. They're, they're probably not worried about the virus affecting them too much, but the fact that they could be carriers is what right. makes that make, makes that irresponsible, you know? And then obviously the selfish part is this, them being, you know, uh, they don't want to be bothered with, that inconvenience, you know, so yeah. it annoys the hell out of me, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I've made it kind of a personal, um, deal where I'm keeping that mask on as, as uncomfortable as it might be at time. Yesterday I was at, uh, target getting groceries because coincidentally not many people get groceries there <laughs> compared yeah. to yeah. Vons and they have a lot of good organic stuff. And so I'm at target and, um, and I was having a hard time with the breathing, you know, in the mask. And I started feeling like not well. And, and I was in this aisle and I was thinking, this is not a normal feeling. You know, I, I need to, I should take this mask off and just get some deep breaths. Right. But I decided to keep it on because what's the point of, you know, these particles can stay in the air for hours. Yeah, you that's walk scary. down an yeah. aisle and, and you think, ah, there's nobody in this aisle, but there was an hour ago and they coughed and that stuff can, can float around the air and land on surfaces yeah. and, yeah, it's crazy. It's, this thing is so resilient, and it just does not let go of you. And and yeah. that's what I'm still experiencing is, um, you know, getting tired easy and out of breath easy. And uh, that's something new for me. So I'm just Is that temporary? To- I mean, is it is this just like residual? Stuff yeah, happening. that's a good question too because I've read that there are, you know, long-term, there can be long-term permanent um, damage, but we, I mean, what do we really know about this thing because it's still so new? So I would, I would think that would be more applicable to those who were in like super severe condition on um, ventilators and things like that. But um, we just don't know, you know, and that's the thing that I hear from the doctors that I've spoken to is information is changing daily. What I'm telling you today might not be the case tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So it's hard, hard to tell. But I think, um, you know, I'm optimistic that it will be temporary and and that with some breathing exercises and with, um, you know, the medicine that they gave me in the inhaler that we can get it back. But that could be foolish optimism. I don't know. But it's better than foolish pessimism, I guess. (laughs) That leads me to my next question, actually. 
when I touched on having thought about your mortality, you know, when this, this started happening, has this experience changed your outlook on life? Um, it's definitely made me think more about, uh, life insurance, to be honest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had all state was contacted me about <clears throat> signing up before all this happened. And, and I, you know, we'll think about it. Yeah. And then this happened and I'm thinking, Oh man, I don't worry about, I'm not afraid of, of death, you know, like full, full disclosure. I was born and raised in a Christian family and I am a Christian. So I have that belief, um, in the afterlife, but I, I would be more concerned about the impact that that would have on, uh, you know, my wife, my kid and those things that I wouldn't be around to, to help. Um, I've stated the same thing before that I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to orphan my kids. Right. You know, and I will, I will also add that, um, I'm not afraid of sudden death. <laughs> I would be afraid of prolonged, <laughs> you know, like prolonged, slow, painful hospital, death, <laughs> d- disease ridden. Yeah. This is going to take a long time and it's going to suck death that, that I would be afraid of, but yeah, sudden death. I mean, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens now? Where, where do you guys go from here? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Fortunately, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a musician and I have that income, but I also have a day job of, I, uh, I'm a special ed teacher. I teach adapted physical education and my wife is a high school English teacher. So I feel so blessed that we are still able to work and receive income during these times um so what that looks like for me is uh i'll have these zoom meetings where i get to interact with the kids and then i'll be super tired afterwards yeah (laughs) Yeah. i'm not even doing physical activity i'm just literally sitting in my bed or in a chair interacting and then um I just need to chill and kind of let myself regroup. Um, so no riptides just yet. <laughs> you know, oh man, I miss those guys so much. I um, know. I, I talked to Jason uh, maybe about a month ago for this series that I'm doing on the podcast as well. And he misses you guys. He misses playing. I miss seeing you guys. I miss seeing the performances. I mean, it's very surreal time. You know, you know, know, we talked about um, before I knew that I was positive, we and before there was this, you know, don't get in groups unless it's absolutely essential. We talked about doing uh, a video, you know, like a live stream performance. But Mm -hmm. then I said, hey, I'm sick. I don't know if I have this yet and I don't want to get anybody sick. And I also I mean one of those songs I'd probably pass out half halfway through the oh, first man. song. <laughs> I've seen how much energy you put into your performance, man. I, I can't imagine if you're getting winded right now just just being yourself the way that you are right now, not doing anything strenuous. I can't yeah. imagine, you know, what you'd be suffering through if you had to perform any music at the moment. I know. My wife was just was just uh talking about that too because the riptides is is a whole new genre well now it's been you know several years but playing that fast um for so long that's new to me you know that style of music is new to me and this is totally off topic of coronavirus but i will say um the tiki community is something i had no idea existed and uh, jim monroe is a a producer who 
did their album and I have worked with him in other settings and they needed a drummer for Tiki Oasis, you know, a handful of years ago. And so it was going to be, you know, I was going to fill do that show and fill in on a couple others and then um, just help them out while they looked for somebody. And I fell in love with the, uh, the people in that community in the Tiki community are so accepting and so nice and just so genuine. And I love hanging out with, with these guys. And I mean, they're just incredible people. They're awesome people. Yeah. All you guys are great. I mean, there's a reason why you guys are one of the most favorite bands out there in the Tiki scene. Oh man, that means a lot. Thank you. Uh, yeah. We miss it and are so excited to to get back at it. Yeah. Well, I think everybody understands. You know, we're we're in a weird time in history, and I think everybody just wants everyone that they know and love to come out of this healthy, right? Right. Right. You know, do it. And if you're gonna do something, do it right the first time. And we're in the middle of this quarantine. Let's just finish it off. Finish strong. Yeah. Do it right the first time so we don't have to start this all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, before we wrap, I have one last question for you. Yeah. As someone who's gone through this experience, is there anything that you'd like to say to your friends or loved ones? Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I mean, we were overwhelmed with the number of people who were willing to to do anything to help. And, you know, I have a friend who um, lives in Temecula, and she's that's a 45-minute drive. You guys need groceries? I'll, I'll go get groceries. I'll drop them off at your door. And, I love that. And, man, people were just so cool. And... That's the one thing that I've really noticed about this situation. It's unprecedented. You know, in our lifetime, it's unprecedented. Um, is that people are good, you know. There is just an inherent good in people. And people want to help each other. And you start to interact with neighbors that you've maybe never seen. But you see them walking their dogs by your house every day. And right. you're, you're getting your mail and you say hi to them. And people are concerned about the well-being of each other and it's it's refreshing and it's frustrating to be stuck inside um i'm on the same tank of gas i have been for the last two months (laughs) me too (laughs) (laughs) you know everybody's like gas is so cheap but what for what right it's so cheap because nobody's buying gas (laughs) exactly um but we can do this. We can get through it, and it's going to suck big time. Yeah, yeah. But but we can do it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you opening up some time for me, Josh. And I am so happy that you are, are – it sounds like you're healthy. You sound great. I mean, I know that you said that there's a few things that you're still feeling in your chest. But. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel so much better. And – um that was the other thing is that we I waited to post anything on yeah, yeah. social media because I just knew that we would be bombarded. And so I waited until we were, you know, on, on the much better side of things. And, it, you know, when you asked me to do this a while ago, it was too, too fresh. soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Too soon. I just didn't. I didn't have the energy and I didn't want to sure to re rehash it out. But, um, yeah, man, we're doing, doing better. That's great. And for the record, I was, I was really on the fence about asking you and cause oh, I thought, I'm glad you did, man. Yeah, me too. I mean, like I, I thought, you know, you know, as I said earlier, I know this is a very personal experience for you and your family and I wanted to be respectful of, how we talked about it and stuff. I didn't want it to sound exploitive or anything like that. And so I actually waited. I think you posted when you posted that, I think I waited maybe four or five days before I asked yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And then even then I want <laughs> in that note that I sent you, I said, well, I thought, what the hell? I mean, 
the answer is always yeah. no unless you ask, right? And you know, um, yeah, and 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 as I was telling you yesterday or the day before, another friend of mine um, has a podcast and his podcast is called you're going to die, oh <laughs> but it's, it's about dealing with mortality and uh, the okay. choices that okay. you make while you're alive. So he had asked me also, and I just said no, but then I got to thinking, you know, like if, if my experience can help make people aware of something that yeah. really is unknown at this point, then why not? You know? And, I guarantee you're helping people by talking because you've helped me already, to be honest with you. So um, just hearing your thoughts and, and you know, how you and your family worked as a team and the, the positivity that this experience is bringing to you is, you know, just uh, it's actually leaving me warm and fuzzy because you're right. Most people are. They're, all, they're, they're, they're good, right? Most people mm-hmm. want to help. So... Yeah, yeah so, totally. Um, but I'm happy that you guys are recovering and well, and the baby's healthy. Congratulations again on that. Oh, and, thanks, uh, man. We're, we're excited. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sending my best to you and your family, your wife and daughter and future child, and, and, then, uh, and, and, and hoping for a 100% recovery. I can't wait to see you back behind the drums. Yeah, it's going to be so awesome when when people can go out and enjoy live music again. Yeah, I love this community. I love this tiki community. These, like I said, this these people are so awesome that it's going to be just a big party when when we get back together. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too, man. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Josh, thanks again for everything, and I guess we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care. All right. Man. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy out there. You too. All right. Cheers.